she was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski, and I am here today with an excellent 17th century nerdy artistic broad. She's both. She's both nerdy and artistic and amazing. Um, but before I dig into her, I do feel like uh, obligated to mention it is apparently International Women's Month. That's... um. March, I guess now. And I had a friend ask me the other day, well, Sarah, what are you going to do for International Women's Month on the podcast? And I thought, well, every month is International Women's Month on this podcast. So I think I'm not going to do anything extra special because this is what we do. We celebrate women every week, a different woman every week on this podcast. But I am going to throw down the gauntlet to you, my listeners, to celebrate International Women's Month by sharing one of the stories of these amazing women on this podcast with somebody you know, your friends, a family member. Um, We have stories about all sorts of women. There's a story for everyone, no matter what your taste in stories is. But share a story about these women who have not gotten due credit in history for all the amazing impact they have had on the world. Okay. So back to our broad of the day. Today, I am talking about Maria Sibylla Marian. Or Marian? I'm not sure. It's German, apparently. Um, She also apparently is known as Anna Maria Sibylla. Um, And she was born April 2nd in 1647 in Frankfurt, Germany. So she's a mid-17th century broad. Her father was a renowned illustrator, apparently, but when Maria was just three years old, her father dies, and so her mother ends up remarrying, and she uh, ends up, Maria is raised by her mother and stepfather, Um, and her stepfather was a still-life painter, and Maria, as she develops and gets older, she starts studying painting under her stepfather. And as part of her job, she would collect insects and specimens for her dad's paintings. Um, And very, very early on in this process, Maria finds herself completely drawn to nature, to plants, and very specifically, she's drawn to caterpillars. When she's 13 years old, she paints her very first images of insects and plants from some of the specimens that she captured. Um, And she would eventually write about her childhood, quote, I spent my time investigating insects. At the beginning, I started with silkworms in my hometown of Frankfurt. I realized that other caterpillars produced beautiful butterflies or moths and that silkworms did the same. This led me to collect all the caterpillars I could find in order to see how they changed, end quote. So she does, as, as the quote says, she starts her own caterpillar collection, starting with silkworms. And she studies the, the maturation uh, and what eventually we would 
we would call uh, metamorphosis of the caterpillar to the butterfly, as well as the whole lifespan of the caterpillars and butterflies and, and how they develop. Um, even in these, like, these very first and early works that she, you know, produces in her youth, the sources I found note that her observations and illustrations of insects and plants in various stages of life were remarkable for their scientific quality. So she is incredibly detailed, uh, more so than most of the scientific documents of this time period. Remember, we're in mid-17th century, 16, 1660s and 70s. Um, so then in she, she continues to grow older, as we do, and in 1665, she marries a man called Johann Andreas Graf, 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 that's my Chicago accent. Um, he was another apprentice of her stepdad's. Um, and they have a daughter pretty soon after marriage. Joanna Helena was her name. Uh, and they moved to Nuremberg, which was her husband's hometown. And they would be in Nuremberg then for the next 14 or so years. And while they live there, Maria continues painting and working on parchment and linen, and she creates designs for embroidery. Um, and she also would give drawing lessons to the young unmarried daughters of the wealthy families of the area. So she was really helping to pay the family bills and also kind of um, increase their social standing in all of these, these wealthy circles. But also... Being friends with all these rich mofos meant that she had access to all their fancy gardens. So Maria was able to continue collecting and documenting insects. Um, and during this period of time, she also, you know, as she's creating these samples, she creates a series of watercolor engravings of popular flowers. Um, between 1675 and 1680, these illustrations are published in a three-volume book called Blumenbuch, um, which you might, that's German for, you might guess, Book of Flowers. And later on, it would be reprinted, uh, and it would have 36 plates, illustration, you know, plates or illustrations in that time period, and a preface. Uh, and in the reprint, it was called Neues Blumenbuch, which is New Book of Flowers. I'm amazing with my German translation, I know. <laughs> um, in 1678, um, they have a second daughter, Dorothea Maria. Uh, and the following year, Maria publishes the first volume of, I'm going to try the German here, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm feeling brave, called Der Raupen wunderbar verwandelug und soderbar blumen nachrund, which translates to Caterpillars their wondrous transformation and peculiar nourishment from flowers. And then she would go on to publish a second volume in 1683, so that's about five years later. Um, and in the second volume, she depicts in minute detail the metamorphosis of moths and butterflies. And each insect is shown, she, she drew each insect on or next to the, the food source, its primary food source. And then she also had text next to it describing the stage of metamorphosis that was being illustrated. And uh, as we said 
just a little bit earlier, these works are are incredibly scientifically accurate um, for the time, like unparalleled for the time period. Um, and it, it kind of like her work actually ends up kind of raising the bar for scientific illustrations at this time. She's just so good. Um, so Maria and uh, her husband and the kids eventually return to Frankfurt, apparently to care for Maria's mother after her stepfather dies. Um, and this is around 1681. Um, but also some of the sources noted that things were not going great between her and her husband. Um, in 1685, her husband returns to Nuremberg um, and he leaves Maria and the girls in Frankfurt. And then the next year, Maria, her mother, and the girls, they set out for this village of uh, Vivert, I think is how you pronounce it, um, which is in, what do say, West Friesland, which apparently today is the Netherlands. Um, her brother, her half-brother, rather, was there, and they joined up in this Labadist colony. I did a very cursory search for what a Labadist colony was. It was um, a religious group. It was uh, formed by this particularly religious guy, this Protestant. Um, and like my very cursory search had me picking up these kind of born again Quaker vibes, um, kind of. But anyway, for the time that she is at the colony, she didn't produce very many paintings, apparently. Um which seems about right for a Protestant colony. Um, in 1691, uh, which is a year after her mother ends up dying, um, Maria and her daughters go to Amsterdam. And very soon afterwards, she is officially legally divorced from her ex-husband. Um, seems like a long time coming. Um, in 1699, Maria and Dorothea, her daughter, they set sail for this five-year-long expedition to Suriname, which is on the northern coast of South America. Um, and it was, I, guess, I don't, I'm not clear on how this opportunity kind of developed, but apparently it was this incredibly unique opportunity to explore a whole set of new species of insects and plants that don't exist in Europe, right? They're going to South America. So they go to Suriname in a city called um, Paramaribo, uh, and they collect and study and they draw all the plants and insects and animals in the jungle. Um, and unfortunately, the five years is cut short because the apparently they all were really sick. Um, she, she, like they all, there's all these illnesses in that part of the world that are not existent in, in Europe at this time. And they just could not kind of hold up <laughs> against, against the um, local illnesses in South America, but they returned to Amsterdam. And then in 1705, she publishes what will become kind of her seminal work, which is called Metamorphosis Insectorum Surinamesium, which is the metamorphosis of the insects of Suriname. And this particular book, uh, it included uh, around 60 engravings uh, illustrating the different stages of development that she observed in Suriname's insects. And similar to the Caterpillar book, she, she puts the insects on or around their plants and she has the text by them describing the stage of development. Um, 
And this book, Metamorphosis, I'm just going to call it Metamorphosis, has been credited with influencing a huge range of naturalist illustrators and significantly impacting etymology as a whole in this time period. She like really furthers the study of insects. Um, in fact, Maria is considered by David Attenborough, nonetheless, um, to be among the more significant contributors to the field of etymology. And that's like throughout time, not just in her time period. She, like with all of her studying of all these insects um, and her and her detailed work, she discovered all these things and, and kind of undid the random myths that existed about insects that people just didn't know. For instance, apparently, uh, people at the time period thought that insects were born out of mud and kind of spontaneously generated. But then here she would she like witnesses the egg, the caterpillar, the metamorphosis to butterfly. Um, it just completely blew people's minds. Um, it also happens that metamorphosis is one of the first illustrated accounts of the natural history of Suriname. She kind of like puts Suriname on the map with her book. Um, she ends up dying, fast forward to her death, because I don't have a lot of information in between, but she dies January 13th, 1717 in Amsterdam. Um, and the year she died, which I assume is after her death because she died early in 1777, her paintings apparently were purchased for Peter I, the Tsar of Russia. And not only did he purchase the paintings, but he summons her daughter, Dorothea, to St. Petersburg, and she ends up working as a scientific illustrator for the Tsar, and she becomes the first woman to be employed by the Russian Academy of Sciences. Um, and her other daughter, Joanna, ends up moving with her husband back to Suriname in, in uh, 1711, um, and she also was an artist. And that is all I have for you today on Maria Sibylla Marian. And I just think she was an incredible force of nature with all of her drawings. I'm going to post some of them on the site, so be sure to check that out. Um, there's also a couple portraits of her. She apparently appeared on on um, some dollar bills or, or some European bills. Um, she forged the way forward in science at a time when women in the 17th century, women were not making a lot of scientific leaps, or at least they weren't making scientific leaps they were getting credit for. Um, and it seems like Maria has, her name has come around. She, she is on the lips of David Attenborough. Um, and I love to see it. To learn more about Maria Sibylla Marian, see some of the pictures of these gorgeous illustrations she created and portraits of her, head on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. While you're there, you can click on over to the About page and read more about me. My bio, photo, links to my other cool stuff is there. Are you following Broads You Should Know on social yet? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Broads You Should Know and Twitter at BYSK Podcast. To suggest a broad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. If you like this podcast and you want to help support us, share your favorite episode with your friends and family. That really helps new listeners to find us. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You guys haven't done that for a while, and I wish you would. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, 
Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye, with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed this story about Maria Sibylla Marion, then I highly recommend you check out a couple of our other scientist broads. We have episodes on Caroline Herschel, the astronomer, and Nettie Stevens, the geneticist. And then we also have a lot of artist painter broads. We have Naye Sok, uh, from Korea, and Artemisia Gentileschi, and of course, Frida Kahlo. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know. <laughs>